go. Hello, and thank you for listening to the Cinescape Magazine podcast. Today, we are bringing you the Peanut Butter Falcon. That's fucking impressive. That's not sound like Gary Owens doing Blue Falcon. (laughs) (laughs) After running away from a residential nursing home to pursue his dream of becoming a pro wrestler, a man who has Down syndrome befriends an outlaw who becomes his coach and ally. Directed by Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz, starring Dakota Johnson, Shia LaBeouf, Bruce Dern, Zach Gotzigan, introducing Zach Gotzigan, John Bernthal, and Thomas Hayden Church. This is the Cinescape Magazine Peanut Butter Falcon Review. All right. Thank God for movies like this. Movies like this are what make me enjoy going to the movies, and they reinforce my love for going to the movies. Because when you keep seeing the same old, safe, um, predictable films, well, this movie does have some predictability to it, but let's put that to the side for the moment. But um, when you see films that just over and over again, you walk out going, oh, that was okay. Or that was, well, all right. And you don't give a shit about it anymore afterwards, right? It, It is great. It is so refreshing to see movies that make you feel good and enjoy watching movies again. Uh, the Peter Butter Falcon is very enjoyable. I, I had a smile on my face the entire time we were watching this. It was, you know, it just, it made you feel, it made me feel at least, and apparently it made all the critics feel too, all warm and fuzzy inside. But it made me feel like... Critics. Yeah, yeah I know. It made me feel like that, like there's still some like hope in the world kind of thing, you know? I, I you know I know movies can create that false uh, sense of things, but in a way, it, it, it's just even though this is just a film, it still shows you things that that you you hope for to be in this world. That there are people that care about other people that have disabilities or disadvantages, and things like that. And you know, this whole movie boils down to just being a buddy road trip film. And you know, Shia LaBeouf and uh, Zach Gottsagen. Um, as you know, as Tyler and as Zach, Zach who has Down syndrome, and he's an adult who lives in this facility with old people, with Bruce Dern, who's great. Bruce Dern is always great because it seems like the older he gets, the more he just doesn't care, and and he just he just gives these great uninhibited performances every time he's on the screen. Now I love it. Of course, he's always been that way. Even if you go back to the Burbs, right? So, but still, even as an old, like in his eighties, cantankerous man, he is still just—I love how he brings it. So, um, when this character is stuck in this in this home and he's watching these old videotapes, and he's got a of this old wrestling stuff, and it's got Thomas Hayden Church as um, the red, uh, the saltwater redneck, and and this this kid Zach, he just idolizes this guy and wants to become a professional wrestler. wrestler. It straight up reminded me of Nacho Libre. You know, um, with the uh, Happy Gilmore, or not? Um, I'm sorry, the Water Boy. I could see that too. Yeah, um, but it definitely reminded me of um, of like how Nacho, um, how like Jack Black's character in a more goofy way, of course, but um, where Jack Black wanted to become a professional wrestler and everything against everyone else telling him no <laughs> and all that stuff. So, um, and that's funny too because this movie also remind like subtly reminds me of Napoleon Dynamite as well, which Napoleon D- Dynamite and and Nacho Libre were both done by Jared Hess. Uh, but it, it's it, it it has that feeling to it. But this movie is more um, realistic. Those movies are an exaggeration of life. 
this one doesn't feel like an exaggeration of life, even though when I'll get into it, you know, the predictability of the script, you know, hits a few times. Other than that, though, this movie feels honest. It feels realistic with the treatment of the characters and and the performances from everybody. And and that, that that's what this whole movie boils down to is, you know, there's greatness to the acting. And there's also, I mean, this is one of those complete picture kind of movies where the setting even fits. This is this movie's set in North Carolina on the coastline and even but it's filmed in Savannah, Georgia, I found out. And and then you know, I mean, Savannah, Georgia and North Carolina, they're not far from each other. They're like a few hundred miles away from each other. So, you know, I I, I don't fault them for, you know, ch- you know, changing the name of the venue on the screen of where they're at. But when I'm watching this, you know, it, it's very colorful and bright. They're out in like like it's not swamps, but you know, it's like uh, what do you call it, marshland or, or whatever. And uh, yeah, marshland. Yeah, and it's kind of like the Florida Keys, but yeah, north. exactly. It feels like the Florida Keys, you know, and it's brighter. It's not all swampy like if they're in Louisiana or something. But something that is like Louisiana is the soundtrack, where it, there's a ton of bluegrass being played. And come to think about it, when um, you know, the original score for the film and for when they're using classic and newer um, style bluegrass and old folk type music, it reminded me of like when you watch uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? When like most of that music, I can't really listen to on its own, you know, very much. There's certain songs on that one I could, but overall, it's not something I would generally put in the, the you know, the on the whatever you call it. What do they call them? The iPods these days. What are the kids calling them? <laughs> but um that that's the kind of soundtrack this movie has. Like I don't really care to listen to this outside of the film, but when you're watching this movie, it just fits and it, it, you just enjoy it, and everything feels authentic in that regard when you when you when you're listening to it, you know. But if it came on the radio too, I wouldn't mind hearing it as well. It's not going to anger me and or piss me off or anything like that. So very well done. But then in contrast, on the uh, flip side of the of the sound, is there's some sound quality problems. And one of the minor, minor problems that this movie has is that it feels like a lot of the, the um, times the boom mic is, is, is being hit by winds where they're filming. So it's hard to hear what the characters are saying at times, especially when Gott Sagan is, is talking um, because, you know, he's got, you know, a guy with Down syndrome voice. So sometimes... Hold on, it, hold on. He's got a guy with Down syndrome voice? Yeah. He's got Down syndrome <laughs> <laughs> That's all you had to say. Fine, but I'm, tr- I'm trying to point say, taken. yeah. So and, and you know, so sometimes you got to lean in a little bit closer, you know, to try to understand certain words. And so there's times where I was trying to focus so hard on what he was saying, I was missing out on the scene for a moment. Uh, but it's not detrimental to the film. And luckily, this is a film I want to own. So um, when I buy it, I'll just do the subtitles. <laughs> but this movie, in a way, it should have had like the what they had with um, Brad Pitt. In Snatch, which they call Pikey What, where they like put on subtitles so you could understand what he was saying because he's speaking Pikey. <laughs> and it would be nice if they had this one where it was it's speaking, you know, Zacky or fucking Falcon. <laughs> so, um, but uh, that, like I said, it's not detrimental to the film. And actually, in a way, if if you want to twist it around, it kind of makes it feel even more authentic as a film because they're not trying too hard to do like ADR with it or something like that. So. I'm fine. I can forgive the, that that kind of a problem. Um, one more problem I got with the movie is that there's a lot of characters that come and go in this film, and there it seems like every character that comes and goes has some importance to the film, especially to God Sagan's character. Uh, and 
And it seems like like some of them just disappear. Like they have no goodbye scene, you know. And I don't mean every character needs to have their own goodbye scene, but it just felt like the movie got rushed in that regard where it's not paying enough attention to people. Like like not there wasn't really enough with the John Bernthal character, you know, because I think he had maybe two minutes at the most of screen time, as always, right? And then um and then um with Thomas Hayden Church character and Jake the Snake Roberts, they're just not there in the next scene. They're just gone. And it would have been nice if there was, I don't, I don't mean there needs to be flowers and a goodbye, but there just need to be a little bit more closure with characters, like, especially like Bruce Dern's character. You know, just him watching, like reading a letter or, or them saying goodbye to him before they leave to go to Florida or something. You know what I mean? Just something. And they did. I don't recall that. Zach literally said, you know, thanks for everything. You're my best friend and you're invited to my party. He did. God damn it. <laughs> okay. Fine, not Bruce Dern's character, but other characters. But in the you, film. your point yeah. being, yeah, and and um, uh, not to cut your uh, your interview or your interview your review <laughs> off or anything else yeah. like that, but to throw in a little bit. My problem with this film stems from the the two bad guys. Uh, yeah, John Hawks, Duncan, and Ratboy. Yeah, and the fact that they were able to find. These three guys, these three, you yeah. know, Zach and Shia and Dakota, they they were able to find these three characters so easy on the Outer Banks. Yeah, and that and, was... And there's, there's very little in terms of what they were doing. I mean, other than, like, they found the kid that Shia LaBeouf punched. Yeah. So... <clears throat> Which is great. And it's another movie we saw this year where a kid got punched in the face by an adult. <laughs> I love that shit. Because <laughs> most movies are too scared to do that. Right. <laughs> So um that is and that's the the last problem I have with this movie is the the um the convenience of plot for the script. It makes the movie predictable in a couple spots and it also um the character motivations like you can just uh when you see, you know, uh, John Hawks and his buddy's character how yeah, like you said, when they just show up and like how did they show up? It almost felt like there's scenes cut out of this movie for time for timing whatever cuz i guess you know independent films or whatever have to have shorter runtime sometimes for whatever reason i guess it costs more the longer the movie is or whatever the more you know maybe that's what it is cuz this movie does feel like it needs at least another 10 minutes added onto it cuz it's like 97 minutes with credits so it's not a long movie but those are all those problems still aren't that big of a deal because the rest of it is so damned enjoyable you know, every interaction that Shia LaBeouf has with Scott Sagan is, it feels so good to just watch them together. They're like brothers, you know what I mean? It, it just, it, and you can tell that, like, um, you know, LaBeouf's character is, like, making up for, you know, what happened with his, you know, his brother played by John Bernthal, his older brother. And the, and so now he's becoming a big brother to, to Scott Sagan's character. And it just, it never felt fake. It never felt forced or anything like that. It just, it was great. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I just, it just kept me smiling. And then, you know, all the little goofy things that they're getting into, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, and then Dakota Johnson's character comes in and, it, and her character wasn't intrusive. Her character also felt genuine. You know, she was understanding about things, you know, of course she had a, a job to do to get, you know, God's sake back to the old folks home, but she understood that, you know, maybe he does need to go out and live life instead of being stuck there, you know? And so I I love that stuff that these characters actually got to be honest with themselves and, and things like that. So and then <laughs> and then the movie you know is hilarious the whole time you're watching it. God Sagan is is great. 
Um, it seemed like when it's any when it, anytime it's the movie's doing anything funny, he knocks it out of the park. There's just a couple times where he's being trying to be dramatic that you can tell that his lack of acting skills kick in a couple times. But other than that, loved him. Absolutely loved him. When he throws the keys in the fucking ocean and he starts to do that weird little dance or or when he's like soaping himself up and crawling through the bars and and you know, they're really <laughs> Dude, love it. I just, I love it. The movie, I'm still smiling. I'm smiling right now. He walked around a third of the movie with just his underwear on. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, dude, why didn't you throw your clothes out the window and then grab them? And that's, that's the best part is he didn't even think about it. He just crawled out the window and just ran. And the way he runs, I mean, okay, look, we're not making fun of him or anything else like that. Don't get this the wrong way. But it was fucking hilarious because it looks like he was doing it like that on purpose to run like that to make it funnier. Yeah. Not, you know, and it, look when I when I see a character like this, it reminds me of um, the stand-up that Bobcat Bobcat Goldthwait had when he had the um, when he, he was going to be an impossible plane crash. Right. It's called the fire truck skit, and where the whole Special Olympics team is on there. And <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, there's no need to be alarmed <laughs> when we when we land. There's going to be foam all over the runway, and there's going to be a fire truck. <laughs> fire truck. <laughs> Yeah, motherfucker fire truck. <laughs> and I love that skit because he talks to me. He goes, look, if you don't think that's funny, then you're not giving um, people like that the chance to be seen as human beings. Right. Because he goes, that's the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, and he's on. And, and that's they, true. And they get excited. Like, love this movie. Start to finish. Minor problems. Go see this movie. Support it. Okay. It is way better than almost all the shit that is out there, especially one of the, it, it being one of the best films of the year. I don't know if it's going to be up for any Oscars or anything like that, but I don't care. It's a great movie. Everyone needs to see it. That's all I got. What is the first rule, Mike? Party. Party. (laughs) Just to add on to Peanut Butter Falcon, Mm -hmm. look, uh, I wanted to read this. Zach's sensibilities infuses the modern-day fable with an engaging forthrightness, but the unequivocal material often sticks close to the surface, and the film built around him for all his physical sweep can feel constricted by its obviousness. No shit. That is a dumb quote, and it's dumb for several reasons. First and foremost, they made this film for Zach. Yeah. Built it around Zach. Yeah, they did. And secondly, this is his first ever film. Yeah. So it's going to feel constricted by its obviousness. It's done on purpose so that he doesn't have to be physical at all, or at least as physical as needed to be in a lot of roles in in terms of movies like this, yeah. like, like a Tom Sawyer or Huckleberry Finn movie, right? Yep. And when you, when you have restrictions on what he can and can't do, you have to work within those restrictions. It's that simple. Yeah. And you can't be unfair about it. I mean, there was a scene where he had to jump into some water off of a off of a platform, right? Yeah. When when the kid got punched in the face. Yeah. And and even then, I mean, I don't know if they made him jump all, you know, made him just jump into the water at one point, but you could tell that he was ready, willing and able to do it. Yep. He just didn't want it. It was it was part of the scene. It's like, I don't want to jump in the water. I don't want to jump in the water. <laughs> His entire demeanor in this film, like, I was surprised about a bunch of things. And one of those things was 
him not looking, being the first time, not because he has Down syndrome or anything else like that. His first time working with a camera. Yeah. And, and the age that he's at. And not looking at the camera for clues or directions and being a natural when it came to dialogue. Yeah. His dialogue was spot on. Yep. You know, I mean, he had some problems here and there and he stumbled over words. But I would rather have him stumble over words because it's more natural when you're speaking. I mean, look, I, I've been I've been speaking for 47 years. I sound like I'm a mushmouth fucking. I was gonna say the R word, but yeah. I, I sound like a mushmouth dumbass. Yeah, I mean, dude, you could build a song off all the ums I use in my review. I was going to. <laughs> Should have heard the ums. Um, 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 um. What fucking movie were we? Uh, let's see. There's one right there. I think it was the Angry Birds movie. No, it was it was the one that I just posted. It, it was it, it. Uncharted, Uncharted. Okay. The YouTube Uncharted uh-huh. movie review. The Uncharted. Yeah, Uncharted. <laughs> so uh, we were watching uh, Uncharted. Uh, that's just that's both of us put yeah. together. And uh, Uncharted. Uh, okay. Uh, Nathan Fillion was uh, in it, and uh, 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 it you was should, you it should, was good. You should change the name of that review to the Uncharted review and see if anyone catches on. To I it. should just call this the Um Show. <laughs> Uncharted Show. So, anyways, I really enjoy Zach's ability to work how they set up a movie. I mean, yeah. it's an independent film, but yeah, I, I totally agree with the fact that this is an A plus film. The film has a on Metacritic, the film has a weighted average score of sixty nine out of a hundred based on twenty five critics, indicating generally favorable reviews. How the fuck do you give a sixty nine out of a hundred on this movie? Like, I don't care for Shia LaBeouf. I don't like him as an actor. Mm-hmm. And in fact, as a person, I respect him even less. I don't know him, I and I'm not saying I don't like him or like him yeah. as a person, but as a person, I don't respect him. There's something wrong with the dude. And when I was watching him in this movie, I enjoyed his performance in this movie. There was problems. I had problems with some of his performance. You don't like like when he gets in people's faces kind of thing. Yeah. It, it's like and, aggressive. Yeah. And and it just, it, it feels like that's being too real. Yeah. Like that's how he really is. Yeah. I think the other part of it is he reminds me of Eli Manning. <laughs> like that's the, pro- I have a problem with him because he reminds me of Eli Manning. Yeah. He sounds like Eli Manning almost. And I just don't like, obviously I'm a Patriots fan. So there we go. But I don't like, <laughs> Shia LaBeouf as an actor because I don't buy his acting ability. It's forced and it's and I don't care for it. Hmm. I enjoyed it in this because it called for it. And he does the same shtick in every role he does. So like in Fury, he was I, I couldn't stand him in Fury. Hmm. And in obviously the Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, uh, I, yeah, oh God. I, that was just annoying. It, it, he was like, if they had another person, that would have been a better fucking movie. He was a shoehorned character. That's why I didn't care for it. Well, it wasn't a shoehorned character. If they had somebody else in that role, yeah. it would have been much better. I guarantee you. So that's, that's my problem. And I, I understand that, that he wasn't the first choice to get that role, but it was pushed on them. Oh, yeah, because he was, he, was he was the hit boy at the time. So I want to see more Zach in other roles. Yeah, uh, Dakota Johnson was fantastic. Uh, every uh, Thomas Hayden Church was fantastic. Yeah. Jake Snake Roberts getting thrown out of the ring was fantastic. <laughs> that was the Nacho Lee Ray moment right there. Yeah, I I, I, I love the fact that they just they did it and it, it was so 
It so, was so contrived. Oh, it was yeah. So, it was obviously fake. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. But he picked him up and threw him out of the fucking rig. <laughs> and he just goes fly. He's like, ah. But you don't, you, they don't do a face on of, of Jake yeah. screaming. They just, it's just like a. It's like a full-on scene shot where you see the ring and you see Zach carrying him. Yep. And then he throws him, <laughs> you know, and he just goes flying. And you could tell that he's on. You could totally tell that he's on wire. Yeah. Because you could see it on his pants and oh, stuff yeah. like that. And and he just goes flying all the way, whatever. Yeah. But uh, the thing that really bothered me about that scene was like you see this guy, you see whatever Rat or Duncan or whoever it is. Uh, the one of the bad guys yeah. show up. And he's got the fucking crowbar and he raises his crowbar like three feet away from LaBeouf's character. Yeah. And nobody stops him. Nobody. Yeah. You know, or nobody's in the way. He's just got a clear shot at him. So uh, uh, that that's minor. It's that's, yeah. a, that's a minor or plot issue. convenience. It was. Yeah. But it's it, or Shia LaBeouf didn't see him as he was watching Jake get thrown out and the guy's coming in the same direction. Yeah. That, again, a minor, minor, minor thing. Yeah. I uh, Fuck Rotten Tomatoes. I don't give a shit about that. But the Metacritic is 69. The average rating of a 7.58 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes. No. it's That's wrong. I said on the score gives an this 8 This is plus. an 8.5. This, this is a 9. This movie is a 9 yeah. on a 10 scale. This movie is that good. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And oh. it's an independent film. And more people need to go out and see this movie. Yeah, I think it had like a, what was it, like a $6 million budget or something like that. Yep, it made its money back and then some. Yep. So, props to them. Yeah. So, I didn't mean to hijack your review. That's okay. You know what? Maybe that's how our review ends up needing to be. I just go into my shtick and then you just come in near the end and then, you know, then boom, we do everything. Yeah. So. And stop killing John Bernthal. (laughs) God. I I wrote my review, dude, that it's just mandatory now that he shows up for a two-minute cameo and then he's gone. John Bernthal <laughs> and Sean Bean. Oh, my God. At least Sean Bean gets to be in most of a movie before they kill him. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> All right. They need to end an episode, uh, one of the movies that Sean Bean's in where he doesn't die. It end, should end like South Park in an episode where Kenny doesn't die where he goes, woohoo, and then it says the end. No, it just cuts. Yeah. It's just black screen like Sopranos. <laughs> it's like right at the end of the movie. Yeah. And you, he just, you, you, you see some guy point a gun at him and it just or you see some guy walk into and he's giving him eyes or whatever yeah. it just completely soprano the whole thing yeah like he's giving him eyes and you know you get the shifty eye and then you got the is he gonna and then he reaches into his po- pocket yep you don't know what he's gonna grab and then so, fade to black fade to black and credits <laughs> alright alright got it we got it you good yeah, we're like a hot chocolate song from the Polar Express. We got it. Hot chocolate. Hot, hot, hot. We got it. Hot pocket. You know, so thank you for listening. Uh, please check out the Peanut Butter Falcon. It is awesome. Love it. All right. That's all we got. Good night.